was mad. I was angry. I was upset. Like Drake says, I'm upset. I was upset. I was mad. I was angry. I was sad. I was upset. Oh, she hurted at me. She distanced at me. She broke it in my heart and left me in Atlanta and never gave me any kind of confirmation she was going to go to New Orleans. Because obviously she didn't go to New Orleans. She stopped checking for me. She ghosted me, and I don't know why. Oh, why? Why? Oh, so bad. Why? Oh, I'm so mad. I'm so angry. Uh, angry? Angry? Why? 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 Why is it that the women that I like don't like me back? Not the way I want them to like me. And why is it that everyone that isn't my type, I'm sure, loving, wonderful, God-fearing, beautiful souls, I don't like them. There's so many women out here that I'm sure could just make my life wonderful. And I don't like them. What is wrong with me? Ah, what is wrong with me? Why? 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 Tell them that it's human nature. Why? 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 I was angry. I was mad. I was upset. And I was delusional. And in my anger, and in my sadness, and in my madness, and in my upsetness, I closed the hatches down around me and didn't let anyone in for a little while. And in that period of time, I began having conversations with myself that made no sense. Conversations that had they been had with my mentors, things that transpired afterwards may or may not, or at least would not have happened in the way that they happened. They would have been checked by seasoned individuals who would have challenged me to question my thinking. But I knew enough about who I was, and I knew enough about the protections that I had in place, which is just human nature, to avoid those protections because I didn't want to be right. I didn't want to do good. I didn't want to feel right. I didn't want to do the right thing. I didn't want to rise above my circumstances and rise above my pain and be morally and have moral turpitude and all of that nonsense. Nah, I was upset, and I wanted revenge. I wanted revenge. But here's the problem with revenge, right? Don't nobody care. When somebody does you dirty, they gone. They've moved on. The only place where revenge works is in the movies. And it kind of don't even really work there. Poor Batman is still jumping off rooftops with not an ounce of superpower trying to avenge the death of his parents. And the person that killed them is long gone. The only time revenge works, like I said, in the movies, is when you got enough time on your hands to load up your motorcycle with all kind of shotguns, put on your leather jacket and your duster, or your duster, and drive cross country to track down some villain who is so villainous that he still cares that he did you dirty. But most folks in real life don't care. They gone. My ex-wife once she was out, she was gone. This lady that went to, that didn't go to New Orleans with me, she was gone. Not gone. Gone. 
when I've actually done people wrong, I'm gone. I don't care no more. Not because, oh, I'm so empty-headed that I don't care, but I've moved on. And in moving on, you're not still in that space because you've moved on. Hence the term moved on. I moved on. When someone says, hey, I've moved on, don't get mad at them. They're telling you the truth. They've moved on. But all of us people, ooh, 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 ooh. And one more thing. Usually, the person, if they have enough age and enough wisdom on them, actually feel bad that they did you dirty. But here's the problem. They're not willing or brave enough to inflict pain on themselves by coming back to you to let you know that they did you wrong. They don't have the character to apologize. So they leave you where you are. But best believe that person is probably aware of what they did. There is no, like, evil is for real, right? Evil is real. Evil is so, evil is systemic. But your average everyday screw over, those are typically mistakes done by people who are not well developed, fully whole, and just as broken as you with their own set of issues. Your brokenness does not exist in a silo or a vacuum. Your brokenness does not exist in a silo or a vacuum. Your brokenness does not exist in a silo or a vacuum. So if you're broken and traumatized, best believe you're dealing with a broken and traumatized person. It might not show up the same way, but they ju are probably just as traumatized and just as broken as you, if not more. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree and getting cursed out, his second master's and getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate and getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTac beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. So you hold on to someone else's trauma and pain that they in turn inflict on you and then you're stuck with it you don't shake it off because you're mad and you're sad and you're upset and you want revenge so you're carrying so essentially you get stuck in time with with someone else's pain because it is someone else's pain because they had to have been in pain to hurt you pain thoughtlessness trauma whatever it's all the same thing we try to say, nah, 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 nah. Because if, you know, if, if, if it turns out that someone hurts us and something's wrong with them, then that makes them human. And they can't be human because I'm the only one that has the right to be human. I'm the only one that has the right to be hurt. You hurt me. What do you mean you're hurt? I don't want to hear that somebody's hurting and that's why they hurt me. What's that got to do with me? You're absolutely right. They shouldn't have hurt you. There's no excuse. Their pain is not an excuse. But their pain is a reason as to why they didn't do you right why they didn't handle you property prop property why they didn't handle you properly so your boy the divorce dillinger as i've started to call myself this season decided he was gonna get revenge and it is just the stupidest thing in the world because revenge against who 
Who are you getting revenge against when you say you're going to get revenge? No good comes from revenge. I mean, you know, for those of you out here that are believers in Christianity, you know, the Bible says, revenge is mine, says the Lord. And, I mean, before, I used to be like, nah, F that. I'm going to get mine. But actually, I get it. And I would I'd go, I'd, I'll walk that back. Maybe it's not even that deep. Maybe it's just karma. You reap what you sow. If you sow bad stuff into the universe, the universe pays you back in dividends. And the thing is, you're not supposed to stand, unless it's sports, you're not supposed to stand and gloat. And even sports, because that's poor sportsmanship, right? You're not supposed to stand and gloat over the unfortunate outcome of someone who's been sowing bad seeds. And the thing about revenge, at least the revenge that God says he does, is you typically are not even around for it. Every humanity, humanity insists and demands that we have a hand in justice as if none of us are without reproach. I need to be there and see, and I'm not talking about crimes and the law. I'm talking about like basic stuff. I need to be there to see. I want to hurt him. It's Father's Day, so I'm going to shout out myself because I'm a great mom and I'm a great dad as a mom. And he ain't here, so let me shout myself out on Father's Day. And that dude is laid up with another woman and could care less about you. I'm going to get her back. I can't believe he unfollowed me on social media. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to unfollow him back and I'm going to let him know. Ma'am, I'm pretty sure he doesn't care. He probably baked that into the equation when he unfollowed you. That the probability of you unfollowing him was pretty much guaranteed. It wasn't a matter of if. It was a matter of when. And either way, he didn't care. Or when, you know, it switched, she didn't care. Or when it's just friends, oh, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to do the same thing to them. Well, they did it first, which means they don't care. Unless you're playing the toxic game. And what is the toxic game? The toxic game is, toxic game is, let me do what I need to do to get their attention and piss them off so they can get back at me and do what they do to get my attention and piss me off. So we can argue and make up to break up and make up to break up and make up to break up and make up to break up. What? Do you actually want that? Is that fun? Is that fun at 40 when you know better? Is that fun at almost 50 when you know better? It's not even fun in your mid-30s when it's starting to not make sense anymore. The only time that makes sense is when you're in your late teens, your teens, your late teens, maybe 20s, and you don't know what the hell is going on, so you're doing it because you've never done it before. But once you've done it a couple times, there's a little voice inside of you that says, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? And then you go, nah, F that. He gonna see. She gonna see. She gonna know. And you are stuck in toxicity. Now, if that's what you want, then fine. But understand that when you're doing something for a response and a reaction, then you are entering into a land of toxicity. And it is hard to break toxic cycles. It is extremely hard because they're comfortable. Because you know the behavior. It's predictable. And you become comfortable in that predictability of toxicity. Or, or here's another revenge scenario for you. You grow up believing you're an ugly duckling. You don't talk to anybody because you don't believe anybody talks to you. You get into adulthood very much focused on fashion and fitness because you think that those are the things that 
appeal to people. You never really know how to socially interact with anybody because you've never really socially interacted with anybody. So if anybody disagrees with you, then something's wrong with them, not you. Versus just people have different opinions and are allowed to come together and figure out how to operate together. Not you're right and they're wrong and they're right and you're wrong, but you just figure out how to operate together. So you dedicate your life to appearances and the way you look and how you sound and how you speak and how you carry yourself. You become an extremely polished individual. And then you go back home for your 10-year high school reunion and realize the the experience was so traumatic for you that you don't even remember half the people you were in school with. So this whole thing that you were planning for Like this movie thing, this movie high school reunion revenge thing that you were planning for turns out to be a flop because once you get there, you don't even care. The only silver lining in this revenge plot is that you are now released of this burden that you've been carrying so long of thinking that you're going to show up and show out. Whether those people cared, because some did, and I'm speaking from personal experience. There were a couple of people there that thought we were still in high school and I had to rem- I had to quickly bring it to their attention that we were grown. But aside from those one or two isolated incidences and those will always happen. There was no revenge to be sought because when I got there, I couldn't even remember who I went to school with. So I was definitely traumatized. And all at once, it didn't matter anymore to me. You know, best friends aside, people that I was already on the phone with aside. It didn't even matter. This whole, oh, I'm going to show up like this. I'm going to show up and show out and wait till they, or the famous Jack Nicholson line from the first Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman. Wait till they get a load of me. I mean, whether they got a load of me or not, I ain't even care. So then it went to being focused on the food. Hey, how you doing? My name is Eric Payne. And welcome to my Patreon page. So I am currently the host of the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. Your support here in this community is going to do the following. It's gonna allow me to produce exclusive content for the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. It's also gonna allow me to launch a bunch of other content series. Life of a Divorced Dad, Fatherhood in Black, and something that I'm very excited about, a docu-series called Extraordinary People. Additionally, your support on this page will give you access to a quarterly subscription box and you're going to get first dibs and the cheapest prices on tickets for live events. Now, of course, nothing is live at this point, but when the world opens back up, things will be live. So in the meantime, they're going to be virtual events and they're going to be very fun. I want to have them. They're going to be very fun. Did I say fun? Yeah, very fun. Yeah, we're going to have fun. Stay tuned. Hope to see you on the page. Thank you. I was hurt. I was mad. I was upset. And I became deranged in that anger and in all the things of not being wanted and rejection and all these things that I hadn't yet sorted out yet. Sorted out in word, but not in practice. What is the sort out in word? Rejection is not rejection. It's for your good. You're being spared. Don't nobody want to hear that when they're being rejected. You have to develop a tough exterior. You have to develop a certain level of wisdom, discernment, and physical exterior to be able to navigate rejection healthily. But when you put your hopes into something and you get rejected, ooh child, it is very hard to get through unless you have a team on your side, a tribe on your side. And then if you then 
close the doors around you, batten the hatches and don't let the tribe in so that they can know what's going on with you because that is the key to mentorship. That is the key to having a successful tribe, a council of people who are looking out for you. It requires honesty on your part because they're not mind readers. They're not going to know. And I didn't let anybody know how angry I was. I let a couple people know, but they weren't in my tribe. They were actually people that fanned the flames. And that is exactly what I was after. People to fan my fire so that they could, so I could be justified in what I was about to do. I wanted revenge. But sadly and stupidly, the only person that came to suffer from that revenge was myself and the person that I used as the device of my revenge. That's where real expansion of your mind and talents can be found. Turn on, tune out of the rat race and its square problems, and tune in on real self-knowledge and creative power. Revenge is a dish best served, not at all. Because there is no revenge you can enact against somebody that has caused you pain. Because how do you match the pain they caused you when they have no investment into you the way you were invested into them? There's no way to enact revenge. And I'm talking about in the world of the emotions, right? But what we do is we turn around and we do things to hurt ourselves. I was in a spin class. And in that spin class, it was ripe full of women that worked out. It was ripe full of women that put their health first. It was ripe full of women that looked relatively attractive, fully sweated out. Meaning, I had spent enough time with them. I had, was developing a day-to-day -day relationship with them. No different than you have co-workers and have work wives and work husbands and stuff like that. There was a camaraderie that was beginning to build inside of this class because it was all pretty much regulars. I mean, you had a couple newbies here and there, but it was for the most part regulars. And I was I was so consistent at this point, and I was riding on the front row. Well, one of the reasons I was riding on the front row was because of a young lady that I, would, I had befriended over time who knew how to ride the bicycle, as she calls it, and taught me a lot of the stuff that I do now or used to do. And if you go back far enough on my Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me jumping up and down and bouncing up and down on the bike. Now, it might look like bouncing up and down and hippity hopping and all the rest of that. It's also technically known as trap spin. But what we're actually doing is a lot of ab work and a lot of core work. And of course, working out the good old ticker inside of you that keeps the blood pumping. And that was the thing that had me on my weight loss journey. And that's the thing that brought me sub 200 pounds when I first started in July of that year plus 200 pounds and the more that I spun the more my confidence spun span spend the more I did spin the more my confidence rose the more I did spin the lighter I felt on my feet the more I did spin the more gregarious I became and I owed it to this woman and she as well as the rest of my classmates began to become the beneficiaries of this friendship this gregariousness this confidence but I was deranged, I was mad, I was upset, I was angry, I was heartbroken, I was in my feelings. My feelings were taking up part of my house with me. Ah. So I needed to set a trap and I needed to find some prey. And what better place to find prey in a place that I visited all the time? 
Because what I had discovered by the time I decided I was going to do this is that all these women that look relatively attractive sweated out because I had gotten comfortable with them and got to know them. And I'm saying, like, I got to know them for who they are. Because, I mean, look, it's about what's on the inside, right? Ultimately, over time, that's what really matters. But let me tell you, if they shared some pictures of something that they were at or if they were on the gram somewhere and I saw a picture, I'd be like, who's that? You're like, that's me, silly. And I'm like, oh, that's what you look like, all dressed up with makeup and hair and all the rest of that. And I was like, dang, why you look so good, though? One of the greatest places that you can meet someone, honestly, is the gym. Especially if you have not like, oh, I see somebody that got a nice little body, let me get with them. No, I mean someone that you are consistently spending time with in the gym because you're seeing them at their worst and they're seeing you at your worst. And if you can get along in a situation where all the superficiality is out the window, then you're going to get along at dinner, at the park, on vacation, whatever. It's no different, you know, than having a work wife or a work husband. The friend that helped me get good on the bike, on the spin bicycle, I'm saying it with the same twang she used to say it. We didn't really have much rapport other than, you know, talking about spin, talking about our respective children, talking about education, because, you know, our children were, mine was a couple of years ahead of hers. Mine was a middle school student, so I guess I had a little bit more, you know, insight on what is required or what is needed to move forward, and she kind of tapped me for that kind of information. And we were both creatives. She was an entrepreneur. I was a creative. She was a creative entrepreneur. I was just a creative hoping that something would happen for me because I was still underemployed and living off severance and stuff like that. So the conversation began to evolve a bit. The conversation began to extend outside of the gym. And I began to turn the screws on the friendship, turn up the fire on the friendship, and kind of... um. I don't want to say overwhelm the friendship, but what I'll say is that I began to turn up the the fire on the friendship. And you would say, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. If you see someone and you like someone, then there's nothing wrong with that. You're absolutely right. But as I said, I was mad. I was angry. I was upset. I was a sinner that had fallen down. I was a saint that was a sinner that had fallen. I'm I'm no saint, but I was, you know, I had fallen down to quote that Donnie McClurkin song. And I wasn't trying to get back up. My thinking was off. I was angry, and she was married, and I didn't care. I was backsliding. Backsliding is, I'm not going to drink anymore, and then you start drinking. Backsliding is, I'm going to be celibate, and then, you know, you stop being celibate. This young lady was married. She was in, no, she was in what she described as an open relationship. It didn't look open to me, but it was what she described as being an open relationship. But it didn't matter what she said. It was what my standards were. And my standards for myself was that I was not going to mess around with any more married women because there was no beneficiary. Although there was a physical reward that came with it because it was obviously going to lead in one direction. There's no reason to have a casual relationship with someone that's married unless you're having sex. There's no reason to just, you know, have an emotional affair. I mean, it happens. But ultimately, what you're leading for, if someone is married and not trying to not be married, is sex. And that's what I wanted. And as my friendship with her grew, the more my desire for that grew. I couldn't see my way out of the brown paper bag I was putting myself into. But that's what I wanted. 
I couldn't figure out how it was going to work down the line. I couldn't figure out what would happen if I caught feelings. I couldn't figure out what happened if what would happen if she caught feelings. I didn't care about none of that stuff. I just wanted what I wanted, when I wanted it, how I wanted it, because I was mad, deranged, angry, upset, and sad, and not talking to anybody that would have smacked some sense into me. So the plan was simple. Hey, we should hang out one day and talk shop. I mean, I'm trying to see if I should like move into an entrepreneurial space, but I don't really know what to do. Okay, well, look, let's set up a time to talk. She gave me her phone number, and we set up a time to talk. She said, well, I don't really come into the city too much because she lived in the burbs. She said, let's set up a Zoom call, and this is before Zoom became the pandemic sensation that it became. This is when Zoom was more like, you know, WebEx, and it was her preferred platform, and so I said, okay, but I kind of like meeting people in person to, like, talk through things. And she said, well... I don't really have time for all of that because I'm busy. I said, oh, okay, well, you know, we could just have a business lunch and then you can just write it off if that's what you want to do. She was like, oh, okay, cool, bet. The bait was set, a meeting about business and entrepreneurship and creativity. The prey was this woman who I had slowly but surely started to befriend. The trap was lunch. And I really wasn't worried about whatever was going to happen after that. This has been episode six of the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide, Revenge Sex in a Brown Paper Bag, not to be confused with LL's Pink Cookies in a Plastic Bag. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for your emails and your DMs, asking questions, sending thoughtful words, and all of that good stuff. I really appreciate it. We're nearing the end of season three, so thank you so much for coming along on this ride with me going to be doing a few things on my patreon page to begin celebrating the podcast and giving you a little bit more behind the scenes access to me we're a couple of followers away from a milestone mark of 200 on spotify and that might not be a lot for many but that's a lot for me and i'm just thankful for the opportunity so i'm going to sign off as i always do be great be beautiful be wonderful be amazing be powerful be incredible be authentic be at peace Be fair, be equitable, be empathetic, be sympathetic, be firm, be unflappable, be principled, be challenged, be challenging, be human, be aware of your frailty as a person, be aware of your power to thrive despite your frailties, be grateful, be thankful, be thoughtful, and most important of all, be you.